Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. We couldn't be more pleased to introduce Drew Valentine as our head basketball coach. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout. Here on WLUW 88.7 FM, I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Great to be back with you here for another week. Hope you all had an awesome week coming off the Easter holiday. And it was a very busy week in terms of college basketball in the city of Chicago in particular. Two head coaches introduced this week. Drew Valentine at Loyola. Tony Stubblefield at DePaul. Both press conferences coming within a couple days. There was a lot to get to in terms of the Chicago college basketball scene. I had a great conversation with Drew Valentine this past Friday because I have to pre-record my interviews because I'm working remotely. If I could have, I would have had him on live, but obviously working remote like this, I'm the only one who can be on. So I had to pre-record the interview. We had an awesome conversation. That will be coming up at 10 after 11, 11 11.10. I will air that conversation with Drew Valentine. First, I want to walk you through this week for him. So as you heard first on my Twitter and on my blog at Off the Inbound, Drew Valentine was being promoted to replace Porter Moser as the head coach at Loyola Chicago after Porter Moser left for Oklahoma. That hire of Drew Valentine was announced Monday, and the introduction was Tuesday. I have a couple clips to play From the press conference, this is courtesy of Austin Hansen, the director of video production at Loyola. Austin does awesome work, by the way. If you haven't seen his videos, follow the Loyola Athletics social media accounts. Austin does incredible work, and he's a good guy, too. He was very quick about getting me this press conference so I could pull some audio for the show today, and I pulled two clips in particular that I want to play for you right now. The first is Drew Valentine talking about the differences between him and Porter Moser. It was a great question by Cheryl Ray Stout, friend of the show of WBEZ. I've had her on once, hoping to have her on again. But she asked this great question, and Drew gave a great answer. You know, I think, I think we have you know, a, a decent amount of similarities from, from being a high-energy, um, intense, passionate uh, person that cares about the game of basketball. Um, I just think we, we've you know, kind of had some different experiences you know, throughout our Throughout our, just the way that, you know, throughout our lives, what we've gone through, um, 
you know, we, we've both gone through um, a lot and had different experiences. So um, I, I just think my coaching style is going to reflect my experiences that I've had, um, which are different from the, from, the, from the ones that Coach, you know, Coach Moser had. Coach Moser had, you know, a legendary coach and Coach Majerus to learn from. I've had, you know, coaches of a legendary coach to learn from. So, um, you know, I think we've got similar backgrounds, but um, I think we've just had different experiences growing up, and I think those are going to, you know, just shine through in our coaching styles with the way we communicate to the players um, and, and the relationships that we have. So let me tell you a little bit more about Drew Valentine's background. I talked about this on the show last week, but I'll kind of relay it to you again now. Obviously, Valentine graduated from Oakland University in Michigan. He was a graduate assistant at Michigan State in 2014 and 2015. If you recall, Michigan State made the Final Four in 2015, led by Denzel Valentine. That's Drew's younger brother who plays for the Bulls. So Drew started out as a graduate manager under Tom Izzo, and then he moved on to his alma mater at Oakland under Greg Campy, who's another great coach in the Horizon League, and learned from him. And then he took the Loyola job in the fall of 2017. If you remember your history, 2017-2018 was the final four years. So since Drew Valentine arrived at Loyola, you had a Missouri Valley title and a Final Four run. You had a Missouri Valley title and an NIT appearance. You would have had a likely NIT appearance in 2020 if not for the COVID-19 pandemic. But either way, Loyola was the number two seed at Arch Madness. And I didn't think they'd be the number two seed that year, to be honest with you. So they would have had a likely postseason appearance in 2020. And then obviously this past year, another Missouri Valley title and a Sweet 16 appearance, including a victory over number one seed Illinois. So Drew's track record at Loyola is impressive since he came on board four years ago. Now he's getting promoted to the head coach's chair. And Steve Watson addressed this. This is kind of how I understood this happened from my sources. And Steve basically confirmed it. So it doesn't sound like there was a full-on quote-unquote search for a head coach. There wasn't like a national search. It wasn't anything like that. really weren't any interviews. And Steve addressed this in the press conference and it's kind of how I understood it. I'm going to play it first and tell you what I heard as things were unfolding a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we, we, we made it official publicly last night. Um, but, but, but Drew and I spoke right after I spoke to, to, to Porter. Um, we communicated to, our, to the team right away to let them know the direction we were headed. Uh, and then we, we intentionally waited a few days. Um, we wanted to... to to take a few days to honor Porter, to, to recognize all of his achievements, the things that he'd done at Loyola. Um, and we didn't want anything to take away from this day with, with Drew. And so we, we intentionally waited a few days, um, made the announcement yesterday so we could do something publicly and, and, and really shine a, a spotlight on, on Drew. So that's kind of how I understood it. Even as soon as it came out and there was rumors and people told me Porter had accepted the Oklahoma job, First name I heard was, yeah, it's going to be Drew. And I wasn't sure. I'm like, okay, this is really quick. Like, are we sure about this? And that's why, like, later that night I tweeted, okay, he's in talks to be. Because it it, I wasn't sure if it was a sure thing. It was one of those things you don't want to say something is absolute when it's not. So it was in talks. And obviously Saturday morning the national media got it and said, yeah, it's going to be Drew Valentine. But I'd heard even initially that Drew was the guy. I didn't know that Steve called Drew right after. Porter told him about it. But, yeah, that's kind of what I heard, how events unfolded. And, yeah, it's we're now a little more than a week into this thing. 
with Drew Valentine, and obviously the big question is seniors coming back. I'm going to talk about this a little more after the interview, but I can tell you right now I'm not hearing much of anything on my end. I've heard a couple things, but I'm not ready to go public with them yet, you know. But there, there's rumors around. There's all kinds of rumors. There's going to be. I asked Drew about that in the interview, and this interview, like, I, I really wish. I know, like, it, the way this unfolded, the way we got to this interview, my schedule was crazy this week. Obviously, Drew is one of the busiest guys in the world right now, probably. I mean, he's taking over a high-profile job. He's got to get recruiting. He's got to build a staff. He's got to get the seniors. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. So he's busy. Our schedule's aligned. We had 10 minutes. And I wish, like, usually I do these interviews. They're like 20 to 25 minutes or so. I mean, 10 minutes, it worked. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm grateful that uh, Bill Barron's the SID at Loyola. Is, does a great job helping us out as the media. He, uh... Made our schedules work. It's like, okay, he's got 10 minutes here. I'm like, okay, that, we'll do that. Like, I don't want to risk maybe pushing this off another week. I wanted I wanted to get Drew this week because I talked about him being hired last week. Obviously, the introduction was this week. So I got 10 minutes with Coach Drew, and he, he addresses the seniors late. And I know people on Twitter, are gonna, they aren't going to like the answer because there really isn't an answer here. But either way, I could talk ball with Drew all day. That's why it sucked that we only had 10 minutes. Like, that's just the way the schedules work out. But it was a, it, nonetheless, it was an awesome conversation, and I'm going to let you hear it right now. Here's Drew Valentine, your new head coach of the Loyola Ramblers. Excited to welcome in the new head coach of the Loyola Ramblers, Drew Valentine, to the show. Coach, congratulations, first of all. How does that sound, hearing Drew Valentine, Loyola head coach? I, man, Nick, uh, I can tell you I'm super excited to, to be a part of this uh, program, and um, the fact that it gets I get to be named head coach and, and be called head coach and introduced as head coach is just wild to me. Um, you know, the, the path that I've been on and taken and uh I just uh am so grateful uh to be in this position. Can you take me through this last week for you? Because we're recording this on Friday afternoon and it's it I'm sure it's been crazy for you. You're probably one of the busiest guys in the world right now. Yeah, no, it's been it's been great though. Um, it's it's like such a good busy. Um, it's such a an honor to to you know have people that are excited about you, that want to speak with you, that want to spend time um, hearing your vision. And, and uh, I just feel super fortunate um, to be in this position. Um, but to recap the past week, it's it's been a whirlwind. Uh, you know, finding out around this time. Um, you know, late, late afternoon on, on Friday, a week ago, finding out that I was going to be head coach. And, um, you know, it, it just feels like a month almost, you know, it, it's only <laughs> been a week, but it almost feels like a month with the um, amount of attention to detail that I've gone into in so, so many areas over this past week. And now you kind of touched on your vision. What is your vision for this program going forward into this year and beyond? Yeah. So, I want to keep continuing to, to push, to push where, where we've, where we've been at and where we're going to go. Um, like I, I, I don't know what the exact, you know, destination is because, you know, I don't want to put a cap on this. I don't want to say, um, you know, uh, make, make the final four again or win a Missouri Valley conference tournament champion again, because I, I don't know. It could be even, it could be more than that. It could be better than that. So, um, my vision is just doing things better than we've ever done before, you know, taking it to the next level and, and just continuing to build upon the culture that we've already built here. Um, 
so that's that's I don't want to put a cap on it, but but that's that's where I'm at. In your introductory press conference, you said you had a conversation with Coach Moser before you left that he gave you some advice about taking over the program. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know he 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 you know just said make sure you do it your way, make sure you um, you know do do things that you want to do. You know uh, don't try to don't try to be me now. <laughs> you know, take some things that I learned from me, from, from him and, and, um, you know, continue to build upon that because we've had so much success. And the thing with coach and I is that we've got similar personal values, right? Like we, we want to treat people with respect. We want to do things the right way. We really love our families and family is always number one for us. Um, we're, we're men that, that, um, want to do things with integrity, uh, that have passion, that that want to be high energy um, at, at all at all times. So we share a lot, a lot of similar personal personal values. So um, you know, I don't want to change too much, but the way in which um, you know I might communicate things because I'm younger, because I've I've played in a different generation, because I grew up um, in a different situation than Coach Moser, it might be a little bit different. So when I talk about doing things that way or my own way, um, I think those are you know some of the specific ways in which. Um, you know, I'm going to do things differently, but, um, you know, for the most part, he, he's set such a great example for me and such a, a successful blueprint uh, of what works here. And um, we want to continue with that culture and that blueprint. And I know this has been all over. Anytime anyone talks about you taking this job, you being the youngest head coach in D1, how does that help you kind of relate to these guys, especially now that you're leading the program? I think I can be very effective as a communicator uh, with them. Uh, because I understand, uh, you know, I understand the music. I understand uh, uh, the slang. I understand, um, you know, social media a little bit. I understand, um, you know, playing in the social media generation. Um, you know, my brother's in the NBA, so um, I can I can relate to them from, a, you know, this is where you want to go, and I know what it takes perspective. Um, I think there's just a lot of ways I can communicate uh, uh, effectively uh, because of my age. And, and I think that's what's helped me so far in my career. Um, and it's really helped me to my benefit. Um, and uh, I, I really think that's a way in which I can um, um, use my age to an as an advantage to um, help our program. And you talk about your brother Denzel playing for the Bulls. What did he have to say about you getting this job, if you don't mind my asking? No, he's super fired up. He's super excited. I mean, um, ever since my first day here um, at Loyola, he's always been around the program. Um, he's always spent time in the summer working out with the guys, um, you know, playing open gyms with the guys, uh, uh, being there as, a, as, a, as somebody to uh, bounce things off of or ask questions about professional uh, basketball, too. So um, he's super excited. He loves it here. Um, the, the Loyola fans and, and Loyola uh, Rambler Nation have been so grateful or, or, or been so great to him and uh, treated him with so much respect. So uh, he couldn't be happier for me to be a head coach, but the fact that it's here in the same city as him at a school like Loyola, who, where he really, you know, appreciates the people that are here. Um, he couldn't be happier for me. Now, does this mean the early morning workouts with him are going to stop? Are they going to have any time for that? <laughs> uh, of course. I always got time for him. Like, like I said, man, family comes first. Um, that's my, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's my foundation. That's, that's my value uh, system. And um, whatever he needs from me to, to help him now, it's, it's going to be hard for me to, you know, if he wants to travel and, you know, train in California or something like that, I won't be able to do that. <laughs> but um, if he's going to be here in Chicago and, and wants to, you know, 
get in the morning, you know, early morning before we start with our team. Um, obviously, our team, you know, is going to be a huge priority for me. But, you know, the early morning with him, you know, before we get started with our team, I'll sacrifice a few hours of sleep for my brother anytime. So uh, as long as he's here in Chicago, we'll still be getting after it. I love that. Family comes first. I'm, I'm the same way. I agree with you. Hey, a couple more questions for you. Uh, just coming from your coaching background, um, have you had any conversations with Coach Izzo or Coach Campy getting any advice about taking over the program? Yeah, yeah. Coach, Iz- uh, Coach Izzo has been great. Um, he's really talked to me about, um, you know, staff. He's really talked to me about, um, you know, uh, communication with our players and, and you know, um, what it's like to, to take over, um, you know, as an internal hire, because that's what happened with him when uh, when he took over for Jed Heathcote. Um, he had never been a head coach before. And, uh, you know, he took over a program where he was an assistant. And um, so just talking about that, getting advice on that, getting advice on um, how to be a head coach right now in this in this generation, in this day and age. Uh, and uh, he's just given me so many different bits and pieces. We, we speak often during the seasons and obviously follow each other's teams, especially from, from my perspective, being a Michigan State alum, um, caring about the state of the program. But, uh, um, you know, I just uh, I really appreciate the, the fact that he always takes time out to, to make sure that, you know, the people that are in his coaching tree have uh, as, as much guidance as they need. And now, okay, I don't know how much you can talk about this, but I'm hoping you can throw me a bone here. Is anybody coming back? Is there any talk of, you know, recruiting anything? Come on, Coach, you got to throw me a bone here. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, it's uh, it, they're going through their processes, um, each individually right now. Uh, you know, when that time comes, we'll either, you know, make we'll make an announcement either way, you know, whether, whether guys aren't or whether the guys are. And we're going to be there to support him either way. You know, um, I think that's been the, the biggest thing that, that, you know, we've tried to uh, explain to them is that, you know, especially, um, you know, our staff, we've, we've got relationships with, with different people in the basketball industry that can, you know, help give you guys, the, you know, the, the tools you need necessary to make an informed decision. And that's all we're trying to do is just help them make an informed decision. And um, they're going through their own processes at their, um, own speeds and own, own paces. So um, once we figure out kind of what everybody is doing, then we'll 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 begin to to put it out there. But not until everybody knows what they're doing, we won't put it out there. Man, I tried. I tried. I really did. Well, coach, <laughs> hey, thanks for the time. I know you're really busy and you got to get going. Uh, thanks again. And I hope you're not changing that wardrobe anytime soon because I've already called you the best dressed coach in college basketball. <laughs> Of course not, man. That's that's me. I got to stay true to myself. And, and one way is going to be with the with the shoes, the socks, the clothes. It's all going to stay the same, man. I appreciate you, Nick. <laughs> Take it easy, Coach. All the best. All right. Thanks. I could seriously talk basketball with Drew Valentine all day. And I'm really, really sad that we only had 10 minutes because of how our schedules worked out on Friday. But either way, that was an awesome conversation. That podcast or that interview is already up. On the podcast feed, the Sunday Sports Shootout interview feed, I just tweeted it out. So if you missed part of it, if you want to listen back to it, it is already posted. But again, my thanks to Drew Valentine for taking the time, because as I said, he's very, very busy. And between the media interviews and the coaching staff and recruiting, he's one of, if not, probably the busiest, one of the busiest guys in the world right now. So again, I'm, I'm really glad he could take the time and talk on Friday. And again, the interview is already up. Feel free to listen to it. Feel free to retweet it because that was that was fun. So let's talk about the seniors. 
Because as I said, my exact words, I wanted him to just give me something, you know, a little, little cryptic hint. I would have taken a cryptic hint. Like, you know, I just, I felt like, uh, I felt like Dr. Evil in Austin Powers. Throw me a bone here. Like, I, that's exactly what I said. I'm like, throw me a bone. Come on, give me, give me something. And he's very noncommittal, which I mean, you, you got to appreciate that he's sticking by that because he did tease, I think it was after the press conference and the media scrum that he teased that some of the seniors are coming back, is what Kyle Brown at the Loyola Phoenix tweeted. So I also fully expect some to come back, even just talking to people around the program. The consensus is some are probably coming back. I don't think all will. I'm not sure exactly who is coming back. I have my guesses, but I don't really want to... This is one of those things where... I don't want to throw names out there publicly because, again, these are 22, 23-year-old kids that, I guess, 22, 23-year-old young men, I apologize. They're, you know, do they go take another year of school? Do they try to go play professionally? Are they hanging up their shoes forever? Like, it's a big decision for someone that age. So I don't want to start throwing out names and have it have it maybe be wrong at some point, you know? So I'm doing, trust me, I'm looking into it. I'm asking around. I'm talking to my people. And as soon as I know something for sure, I'll let y'all know. But as Drew said, they're going through their processes. And, I mean, you're going to support I hope people support them either way. So, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen yet. Again, I, my guess is I'm not, th- not going to be that guy that sits here and throws names out there. That's, just, that's not what I do. That's not what I do on this show. When I'm out here, I'm going to tell you something I know for sure. Like last week, I wasn't going to say Drew Valentine is your new head coach until I had it for sure. That's why I said he's in talks to be. It's moving toward that. I'm not going to come out here and say this senior is coming back. No. And I'm not even going to speculate. I haven't, I haven't talked to any of those guys. Full disclosure. I have not talked to any of Lucas Williamson, Keith Clemens, Tate Hall, Ahir Ugwa, Cameron Crowig. I haven't talked to any of them. So I don't know what's going on in their heads. I don't know what that decision-making process is like. We're just going to have to wait and see. I'm assuming, I don't want to assume, I'm going to guess it'll be sooner than later. We'll hear about this because you do have to get to recruiting. National Letter of Intent Day is coming up, I believe, on Wednesday. And I know Drew has talked about this in other interviews, too, that announcements are coming. My guess is you're going to hear the announcements of Ryan, I think it's Ryan Schweiger is how you pronounce his name. And Chris Knight from the Ivy League. You got two Ivy League grad transfers coming in. I I have a feeling you're going to hear about those this week. Because again, NLI Day is Wednesday. So you're going to hopefully hear soon on those. And I know someone was asking on Twitter, uh, does he prefer Coach Valentine or can we still call him Drew? Does he prefer? Yeah, I, I'm like, I, I knowing Drew, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Drew is fine, considering his Twitter handle is still Coach Drew LU. So I'm going to guess Drew's okay. I just default to calling everybody Coach. I mean, whenever I talked to Coach Moser, he was Coach. I talked to Kate Ochter, she was Coach. Eric Hoops with the golf coach, he was Coach. Neil Jones of the soccer team was Coach. Barry Bimby, I called everybody Coach. Because, I mean, I grew up playing sports. Grew up on the golf team. I, I played golf in high school. I grew up playing baseball. And, you know, in, 
He went to a small high school. I mean, the football coach was, I mean, I never played football, but he, he was coach. Coach Black was my PE teacher. I called him coach. And even then, the the, the principal at, at the school now used to be used to be the football coach. So I, I call him coach. So I that's my default. That's what I do. You, you won't hear me too often see Drew Valentine in the hallway say, Hey, Drew, how's it going? No, it's hey, coach. That's just, that's just, that's how I am. But I'm assuming Drew is okay. Again, knowing him as well as I do, like I, I would figure Drew would be okay. He doesn't strike me as the the Nick Saban types that are like, oh, that, that's Coach Saban. Or was that, was that, like an, was that an Alabama fan or someone, someone said that you got to call him Coach Saban. Like, no, that's, that, that doesn't seem like Drew's personality. But again, great conversation. Check out the podcast. This, the podcast of the full show will be up soon. And again, I don't have any word on the seniors yet. I'm really sorry. Hopefully in the next week or so. We'll see. Now, over in Lincoln Park. Now, this one I don't have any sound for because I couldn't pull the sound. But Tony Stubblefield is the new head coach of the DePaul Blue Demons. He was Dana Altman's top assistant at Oregon. Uh, he's a good recruiter. Granted, he's had some, there's some hiccups in the way. If you recall, there was an issue with Oregon recruits and sexual assault. And he went on the record talking about his bond with the players that were involved. And also he was mentioned in the federal corruption trial. He wasn't investigated, but he was mentioned in that trial. Um, I call this hire for Dwayne Peavy high risk, high reward. And I mean, I did love that Drew was introduced on Tuesday. And that same day you hear from DePaul, oh, we hired a new coach. Like, oh, that's funny how that works out. I'm glad they waited till Drew's press conference was over, though. That that just struck me as funny just from a, from my journalism background, you know, timing of these announcements and everything. And I took a, I did take a sports media class and we heard from PR types that there's when they announce things. And I just thought that timing was funny. But yeah, I, I call this high risk, high reward because I mean, the guy does have recruiting chops. There's a reason Dana Altman promoted him to his top assistant. So I think that's where the reward can come in. He can help put DePaul toward the top of the Chicago basketball scene. I still want them to play Loyola. More on that in just a second. In the second half hour here, I'm going to get that started. But it's also high risk because of the stuff he's been involved in. I mean, credit to Dwayne Peavy in the press conference. He he said, he addressed this. He said, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be there today if we had any reservations. Uh, this is quoting him, of course. We were comfortable. We checked with the NCAA before I talked to anybody. You don't get a Zoom with me without getting clearance from the NCAA. With any candidate, we had to do our full vetting process, and that's why you hire a search firm and have your own HR background checks, too. If this was Gene Lenti Ponsetto making this hire, I don't think I'd be talking about, like, the reward side of it. I'd be talking about this is risky, and, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't know if they fully vetted, you know, there's stuff that can happen. Like, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't carry as much water now. I mean, I, I have been on the record multiple times and saying Dwayne Peavy is going to change DePaul for the better. I mean, getting rid of Gene Lenti Ponsetto was a good was a really good start to begin with. I mean, all, I mean all the respect in the world to Jeannie. I mean, she did that for a long time. Battled through cancer a couple times. I mean, I, I have all the respect in the world for her. She just wasn't very good at her job. And that happens. Like that that's just the nature of nature. So I think Dwayne Peavy coming in is a breath of fresh air. I mean I he said he talked to like thirty some candidates or started vetting 30-some candidates. 
And I don't know if Porter Moser was in consideration. I don't know that for sure. I know the rumors were out there. I know I stumped for the DePaul job on the show. Not really stumped for it, but basically said people are too quick to call it unattractive because of the changes the athletic department's gone through. I have no idea if Porter Moser was even contacted by DePaul or even had any interest in DePaul before taking the Oklahoma job. But either way, PV did his homework. And it sounds like he went through a lot of channels to make sure that Tony Stubblefield was, you know, going to be the good hire and there wasn't any baggage coming in. Well, I mean, there is there is a little bit because that's going to be mentioned for a little while, just getting to know the guy. You've got to know the whole story. You can't just look at the good. You've got to look at the good and the bad. But either way, I still, I will say high risk, high reward, because I think he could be one of the guys that could help turn DePaul around. I mean, he's, what, 50, 50 51 his first head coaching job. I'm um, curious to see what his staff looks like. I do know that uh, DePaul assistant Tim Anderson is likely staying on. That's been reported by the national media, not the White Sox player. There's two Tim Andersons in town. But uh, the DePaul Tim Anderson is staying on staff, from what I understand. And I have a feeling we're going to hear more about coaching staffs on both sides of town soon. I was reading an article, I think it was the, from the Kansas City Star this week about a recruit to Oklahoma that mentioned that Clayton Custer is expected to follow Porter Moser to Oklahoma. I don't have anything to confirm that, but I did read that in the Kansas City Star, so do with that what you will in terms of Drew Valentine's staff going forward. Haven't heard really anything else on the coaching front. We hit the bottom of the hour. I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm broadcasting from my garage in Dwight, Illinois. Just got word through the summer we're going to be remote once again. So still no calls, at least through the summer. Hopefully we'll be back in studio by the fall, assuming I'm still you know, in the area. Um, hopefully we'll be back in the studio in the fall and can take calls. Until then, please tweet at me to chime in on the conversation at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I welcome tweets during the show in lieu of calls. I, my DMs are open too if you don't want to send something out publicly. I would love to hear from the masses, especially you've heard my interview with Drew Valentine. You've heard the other interviews with Drew throughout the week. Obviously, Mully and Haw on 670 The Score interviewed him. That was a really good conversation, too. Go check that out. I mean, he's been on WGN. He's been Sirius XM. He's done a lot of interviews. I want to hear just some reactions. What what questions do you have going forward? Maybe, maybe I can share some insight. Like, what questions do you have? What thoughts do you have going forward? What do you think of the hire, I guess, is the other thing. It sounds like the majority of Loyola fans are excited about the hire, and I know there's been some fans that aren't too happy with Porter Moser leaving, and you heard me say it on the show last week. I'm really happy for Porter, and I wish him nothing but the best. And, I mean, he's got to do what he's got to do. It's the life of a mid-major. But send me some thoughts. At Nick Schultz underscore 7 on Twitter, you can reply to a tweet, you can tweet at me, you can DM me. Whatever floats your boat. Feel free to chime in on the conversation. I'm here for another 28 minutes. And we're going to have some fun in these 28 minutes. Because especially now that I'm diving into the transfer portal, which is a topic of discussion lately. I've had this conversation a lot with people around here, around like back home. You know, I'm, I bartend three days a week. People, people like talking college basketball. And especially because like they know I like it. So we, we start chatting it up and I share my insights. They share their thoughts from a fan perspective. And the transfer portal always comes up. 
So let's talk about the transfer portal because I have thoughts. First of all, there are almost 1,300 names in the transfer portal according to Verbal Commits. Who, they do an awesome job tracking all this stuff. Like that is, that is an account that is must follow if you're a college basketball fan. If, I mean, any team, follow Verbal Commits if you're into recruiting. They also have scholarship charts. And that's really helpful for like teams across college basketball. It's so helpful to keep track of. But last check before I came on the air, it's, and it's still I've still got the page up. One thousand two hundred and ninety-four names in the transfer portal. Yes, that is still that is still the number I have on my screen. That is almost thirteen hundred names in the transfer portal. Now, what is the transfer portal if you're not into recruiting? Well, it was created in the fall of twenty eighteen. It's a digital database for coaches to, you know, reach out to transfers and when they announce their intent to transfer. It allows a little more transparency is how the NCAA bills it. And just because you go into the portal doesn't mean you have to transfer. Like, you can back out of the portal. And I want to say Porter Moser is working on that at Oklahoma. And two of the three... Players from Loyola who entered the portal have transferred. Cooper Kafis is going to Samford. Franklin Agonani is headed to Abilene Christian. And Baylor Hebb is still in the portal. I don't know if Drew's working the portal. I know he said he's working the portal a little bit. But either way, you can you can back out of the portal. It doesn't lock you into a transfer. But 1,300 names is crazy because I... Now, someone someone help me out on this. Because I can't remember off the top of my head for sure, and I forgot to put it in my notes. As far as I know, there's still a sit-out year. There wasn't this year because of the pandemic. Now, next year, I'm not sure. I think I is the sit-out year still there? Let me because what the, what happens is when you transfer normally, you have to sit out a year in between. And yeah, I know last I heard, this is from from Google here, uh, this is even just this month, the NCAA is moving forward with one-time transfers. They'll vote on a waiver to allow one-time transfers for the upcoming year at their April meeting after the Final Four. So they're moving toward a one-time transfer, which no setup is what it sounds like. I wish I had the clip handy of... Barry Hinson on the Missouri Valley teleconference. This was, this would have been the 2017-2018 season. And I had the video, I had the audio somewhere. I just did not pull it for this and I should have. This is when the talk of the, of the, of the, Blanket waiver, I think it was, or basically removing the sit-out year. This is when it really started picking up some steam and then faded away for a while. Porter Moser started this conversation on the call. And Jim Benson was the one who asked it. I remember it. He was asking all the coaches. And, and Porter wasn't a fan, obviously, as a mid-major coach. Mid-major, mid-major coaches are not fans of this. And Barry Hinson went on the record. And, I mean, this was a full-on rant. This was Barry Hinson at his best when he was at Southern Illinois. Talking about how it would be the death of mid-major basketball as we know it. 
if they allow this one-time transfer with all these names in the portal right now. Now we can have this conversation again. I am not a fan of the one-time transfer without, like, you immediate eligibility. Not a fan. Because then you have, like, a free agency type system. And I know there are people who live for, like, the free agency craziness. You know, like, NBA free agency is one of my favorite times of year. MLB free agency used to be one of my favorite times of year. And now the hot stove is kind of lukewarm. But I'm not into this with college basketball. As a mid-major basketball fan, I'm a big advocate of the set-out rule. Because then you commit to a team, you play for a team, you sign for a team, you play for that team. And I know things happen. I know transfers happen. I'm not saying players shouldn't transfer. Let me make that perfectly clear. Transfers happen, whether it be a fit with the coach, whether it be the school, whether it be there's all kinds of factors. Whether it be moving closer to home, that's a common thing. Transfers happen. But you don't want a free agency type system. You don't want these mid-major guys like, let's, I mean, I'm just throwing out a name just to throw out a name. There's nothing cryptic about this. Let's say Cameron Crutwick's playing well for Loyola Chicago. He's player of the year, you know, and a big coach sees that. And something, maybe someone, maybe someone says something, not like with the program, like a fan suggests like, hey, maybe well, you could help Duke out or something. And suddenly, Crowley's in the portal and he can go to Duke. That's just an example, hypothetical example. And it's very, it, if you've watched WandaVision, the show WandaVision with Jimmy Woo, when he's talking about it, it's an oversimplification of events. But yes, that is a, that is a serious oversimplification of how things could go down and hypothetical. But that it's my point. A sit-out year would, it, it kind of, I don't want to say it encourages staying at the school, but it takes away that there's a free agency system there. That's what, and the portal, I mean, the portal's new. There's going to be quirks with it. I mean, it's, you've got to get used to this. We're in, this was fall of 18. This is year three of the portal. So there's a lot to be worked out. But on the surface here, I'm not a fan. I hope they I hope they iron this out because 1,300 names in the transfer portal is insane. That is absolutely wild to me. I do have a couple DMs I want to get to, but first, uh, some I guess this is somewhat breaking news. Uh, Will Smythe from Orchard Lake St. Mary's Prep School uh, has announced he will be a preferred walk-on at Loyola Chicago this coming year. So that's the first real commit under Drew Valentine. And again, he's, he'll be a preferred walk-on. He'll be on the gold team. But that's I guess that's kind of breaking news in a way in terms of recruiting because, I mean, that's, that is Drew Valentine's first commit, even though he's not a wouldn't be on scholarship, but he, that's his first commit. So that's something to keep in mind here. Uh, Josh Betts, my buddy Josh, what's going on, man? Uh, he says, great stuff with Drew. Appreciate you listening, my friend. I hope you're well. Good talking to you last night on the Zoom call. Steve Timble chimes in. Let's talk about how Coop and Big Frank fit in at their new schools. Well, first of all, Steve, I haven't really dug into that much. I mean, Abilene Christian, obviously, you saw them in the NCAA tournament. I, I haven't done 
any research into that. I haven't seen how either one of them will fit in. I do know that if if Cooper can look like he did pre-injury before he tore the labrum in his hip, he's going to he's going to help out any team. I mean, with that three-point shooting stroke, he'll help out any team. So it's a matter of getting him back into pre-injury shape. And as far as how big Frank fits in, I I have no idea. I'm just going to I'm going to shoot straight. I have no idea. But it's a good question to ask and I appreciate it. Uh, he also said, what are our net available team spots available for next year? Well, that depends on a couple things. First, I'm, I am still, I have Googled this and Googled this. I don't know how the scholarship situation would turn out if some of these seniors come back. I do know there's like expanded scholarship spots. That's a thing. But I, I don't know ins and outs. So I, I'm really not sure. I'm looking at verbal commits right now on my computer. And as we sit here, this is August, or April, August, April 11th at 11.42 a.m. Drew Valentine has six spots left for the class of 2021. Now, you just heard me say Will Smythe is... A preferred walk-on. That just happened. Uh, ben Schweiger is committed. He reaffirmed that in an interview. Well, who was that with? He did an interview with somebody in the Chicagoland area. Ben Schweiger's coming back. I have not heard about Ty Johnson. I'm guessing he's locked in. But yeah, you've got six spots left as of right now for the class of 2021. And also coming in, you have Ryan Ryan Schweiger. This is going to be fun for, like, Jeff Hagedorn and Chris Parks on the radio, Jordan Burnfield, Jeff Dickerson on TV. You're going to have Ryan Schweiger coming in as a graduate transfer, and you have Ben Schweiger coming in as a freshman. So you, it's going to be uh, you, it's going to be fun from an announcing standpoint. But yeah, right now, six spots for the class of 21. And again, I'm I'm not sure how that changes with seniors coming back or anything. This, In case you haven't heard, these are unprecedented times. And I just mean that as a joke because, I mean, yeah, these are unprecedented times. But also, every time you turn around, you hear someone saying, yeah, these are unprecedented times. So we don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But either way, I, I think with with Drew Valentine's recruiting ability, I think, I think Loyola's going to be fine on that front. But yeah, I'm very curious to see what seniors come back. I, my gut says some will. I just don't know which ones, and I don't really want to speculate with specific names, you know? My buddy Mike Watson chimes in. Cam's tweet got to mean he's coming back, right? I'm going to be honest, Mike. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what tweet you're talking about. So help, help me out here. I I have no clue. I have no clue what tweet you're talking about because the last tweet I remember with him was the hug, the picture of the hug with him and Porter when Porter announced he was leaving for Oklahoma. So 
help me out with that one. I have like that's news to me. Like I mean, I follow Crut, but I haven't seen anything. That doesn't mean I didn't miss something. So I don't know if he's being cryptic at all. But anyway, yeah, back to the recruiting trail. Uh, Drew said he is going to hit the transfer portal. It sounds like every coach is saying that. I mean, Porter said that at Oklahoma. Coach Stubbs said that at DePaul. Drew said it at Loyola. The portal is going to be active the next few weeks, and especially as we get an idea of who's coming back. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about that because, again, you don't we, we don't know. I personally, like, I could see some of these guys, and I, I don't know how the transfer, or the transfer, the scholarship situation will turn out. Either way, I think Loyola's in a good spot. It looks like Loyola has some offers out, at least new to me, on verbal commits to St. Thomas, who is a small forward, and Anthony Sales Jr., at least per verbal commits. Uh, Caden Rice looks like a graduate transfer that they've extended an offer to. Uh, Josh Baker out of is a JUCO, JUCO guy. It looks like he's got an offer out from Loyola. There's a lot that's going to happen in the next couple weeks here. I think the next couple weeks are going to be very interesting in terms of recruiting because you've got NLI Day, National Letter of Intent Day, coming up this week. That starts the 14th. That's This starts the regular signing period. So you had your early signees, which were Schwieger and Johnson, who are two very good players in Chicagoland. And I know they were both named to the Sun-Times All-Area. Michael O'Brien does an incredible job covering high school sports for the Sun-Times. They made his list for the All-Area. It was him and Joe Henriksen, I think. So you got two really good recruits coming in from the early period. Now you're into the regular period, and you've got to see, okay, now what can we do? You had a coaching change. Like, I know he was promoted from within, but a coaching change is a coaching change. You know, a rose is a rose. I mean, it doesn't sound, I mean, I am a big fan of continuity like this. I mean, there's something about the, I, I call it, I mean, institutional memory, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's something about having that continuity, especially with a program like Loyola that is all about the culture. You hear about the culture. It's all created by culture. Now it's committed to the culture. Which don't be surprised if that's like the um, the saying when these recruits commit, committed to the culture. Like that just screams recruiting right there. But I, I'm a big fan of that, especially with a guy. You've got a rising star in Drew Valentine. If this was two years ago, we'd probably be talking about head coach Brian Mullins because Brian was another one, rising star. He was also hired at Southern Illinois as, like, as the youngest head coach in D1. Great recruiting chops, great defensive mind. You noticing a trend here in the Missouri Valley? You got a rising star, and you could, I mean, you did not want to risk letting him go. 
He's capable of doing the job. I think he's going to do an awesome job. The program's in good hands. And I think especially from a recruiting standpoint, you want to hire from within. And Drew was the first name I thought of. He was the first name I heard. So again, I'm, I'm happy for him on a personal level, and I'm happy for the program. And this is this is Steve Watson's first men's basketball hire because he didn't hire Porter Moser. So we're going to see. I, I'm optimistic. I'm excited. There's going to be some good things ahead. Now, the transfer portal for DePaul. This is interesting. I saw this yesterday. DePaul is one of the teams with the most players in the portal with six. And I don't know if Stubblefield said he's going to be active in getting to the portal. And I don't know if it's going to be about getting players back. I mean, it's probably going to be about getting players back with a coaching search like that. But yeah, there's couple DePaul Blue Demons. <laughs> well, more than a couple. There's a good amount of DePaul Blue Demons in the portal. Actually, it might even be... Is it upward of eight, even? I very well could have misread the tweet. But either way, it looks like there's... a good amount of DePaul players in the portal as well. So, it's going to be... Uh, 1,300 players. That's just... That's insane. Where do they all go? I mean, are they all? I, I mean, obviously, when you're in the portal, it doesn't lock you into transferring. I get that, but what do you? Where do you go with these all? If all of these decide to transfer, like, there's a room. I mean, that's a lot of names. So I don't know. We did see Joe Yesifu from Drake transfer to Kansas. That one I didn't see that coming. I mean, did any? Am I the only one who was who almost dropped their phone? When they saw that Joe Yesifu was transferring to Kansas? Am I also the only one who almost dropped their phone when I saw that uh, Jackie Baranchek is heading to Oklahoma? I, I mean, I tweeted yesterday I tweeted yesterday that the, the valley runs through Norman. And yeah, I was only half joking, but that's Jenny Bronchek. I'm sorry. Did I say Jackie? I meant Jenny. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jenny Bronchek. What am I? I, mean, I haven't finished my coffee yet. But either way, I mean, I, I that came out of left field. I'd at least heard rumblings about Porter Moser in Oklahoma. I mean, on, on Twitter, you heard his name attached. You didn't see Jenny Bronchek's name. I mean, you didn't you didn't hear about that at all. But that's huge. So now Oklahoma has two Missouri Valley coaches as their basketball coaches, which that's <laughs> Joe Castiglione, man. It's, it's Castiglione, not Castiglione like some idiot might have said on these airwaves last week. Joe Castiglione likes the Missouri Valley. Can he be the new Barry Henson? But yeah, that, that big news from the women's basketball side of the Valley, because Wow. Jenny Bronchek turned Drake into a powerhouse in the Valley. And that to see her leave, like that to me was more stunning than when Porter Moser left. 
But I mean, you know, I mean, I know there's a pattern here. You had Porter Moser from the Chicago area, coached in Chicago, left for Oklahoma. Jenny Baranchek, born and raised in the in the Des Moines area, played at Iowa, coached at Drake, going to Oklahoma. That's just that was yesterday. So between Yesfu going to Kansas and Baranchek going to Oklahoma, that's just crazy. Like crazy, crazy couple days. But yeah, I mean, so going back to the transfer thing, I want, I just wanted to throw that news out there. Have it, seeing Yesfu go to Kansas, like, how does he fit in Kansas? I mean, this is another one. Like, I know I said I haven't looked at Kafis and Agunani fitting at their schools. I mean, I haven't done a lot of digging into how Joe Yesifu is going to fit in at Kansas. But, I mean, just thinking about it, I mean, he, I mean yeah, he was sixth man of the year in the Valley, and obviously you can't base that. I mean, I, you can't judge players whether they were sixth man of the year or not because, I mean, Patrick Williams went number four overall to the Bulls. He was sixth man of the year in the ACC. Apples and oranges, but kind of the same point. How does Joe Yesifu fit in with Bill Self? I, I don't. I don't get it. I mean, may, I wish. I hope he. I hope he succeeds. I do. I mean, I love seeing Valley guys succeed other places. But that just caught me off guard. I stopped. And like, what? Okay. So yeah, a lot. A lot of moves in in the Missouri Valley, and obviously, I can't believe. I can't believe I almost didn't talk about this. It. it what do we think about Donovan Clay? Going from Valpo to Missouri State, like how, how do we feel? How are we feeling about that? Like that that one also caught me off guard because I'm like, you don't see too many in conference transfers like that. The last one I can remember was Matt Chastain from Loyola to Illinois State, and that one didn't pan out. But Donovan Clay going from Valpo to Missouri State—that's that's surprising. And at Paul Oren at the Times of Northwest Indiana, another friend of the show, tweeted he expects more Valpo players to commit in probably this week, next week. But you had Donovan Clay to Valpo. So now you've got Isaiah Mosley and Donovan Clay in your backcourt. And you've also, he, he said he's coming back, you've also got Gage Prim down low. Wow. Now, some of these Loyola seniors come back. I know, I'm uh, not sure what Northern Iowa situation is. I know AJ Green's coming back healthy. But if some of these Loyola guys can come back, these seniors, Valley's going to be loaded this year. It's going to be awesome. Like, I love when the Valley is stacked like that. You don't want to see years like, what was it, 2018 19, where it was basically someone's going to end up winning it. But I like years like this year where it was Drake and Loyola duking it out and, you know, they were your consensus 1-2 and one of them was going to get an automatic bid, the other was going to get an at-large. But yeah, watch Missouri State because that that's a big get for Dana Ford. Yeah, I can't believe I almost didn't talk about that. Uh, Steve Timble chimes back in. 1,300 players in the portal is the equivalent of 100 college teams, a little under one-third of D1. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Where do these guys go? 
How many of them are going to back out of the portal? Are they going to back out of the portal? I mean, it's just, in, it is crazy right now. And I don't know how I feel about it. Because you heard me, I'm a, I mean, as a mid-major basketball fan, I'm obviously not into the idea of automatic, of instant eligibility after you transfer. Like, I mean, I agree with what Barry Henson said a couple years ago. It's the death of mid-major basketball. You're going to see a free agent system. It is, it's bad. It, it only favors the big teams. It only favors your power five. There is no advantage to that for mid-majors. So if that happens, I mean, that's part of the reason I think there's so many names in the portal is there going to be automatic eligibility. So I don't, I don't know how I feel about all this. But my big question right now is just where do they all go? Absolutely crazy. And I, I, I was reading something about, I think it was the Star, Minnesota, Minneapolis Star Tribune where I was looking up some info on the portal. And they were talking about how they're like, oh, from a fan perspective, you're into the free agency system. Okay, no. No, I don't, I don't like that in college basketball. I like that in the pros because the pros are playing for money. Like, you want to see where they go, and, you know, like in the NBA, you want, you want to see where, well, if this free agency class hadn't have already signed their contracts, you want to see where Giannis would go, where Anthony Davis would go. I mean, in college basketball, I really don't want to see a free agency type system. I don't want to see where some of these bigger names in college basketball, like Adam Miller at Illinois, where how did he end up in the portal? I don't want to be sitting here on Adam Miller watch saying, oh, where's he going to go in free agency? No, that's not college basketball. That's not why I love college basketball. And maybe it's because of my mid-major bias. I am, I am definitely leaning toward the mid-major guys. So I knew I wanted to talk about the portal today, but that is, I mean, I'm going to read that. I mean, that was, Steve brought up a great point. 1,300 players is the equivalent of 100 college teams. Little under one third of D1. Yes, 350 some teams in D1. That is absolutely wild to me. So th- this is going to be the biggest storyline of the offseason is what happens with the transfer portal. Where do all these guys go? Do they all go somewhere? And I think part of it has to do with the coaching carousel. I mean, the coaching carousel has been active. Like, you've seen a lot of coaching moves. So we'll see. That's going to be a big thing to watch if you're a college basketball fan. I am almost out of time. I do want to thank all of you for listening. And my thanks again to Drew Valentine for taking time on Friday to chat. Again, that interview is up on the interviews feed of the Sunday Sports Shootout podcast. It's Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can check out my past interviews too. I've had Jordan Burnfield on, Jeff Dickerson, David Haw. As I said, Cheryl Ray Stout, Chuck Swirsky. I've done some really fun interviews, so please, please, please check them out. I'm hoping to do more here soon. I love having interviews on the show. It's just That way you're not just listening to me talk for a full hour. Like have, Hearing other people's perspective, hearing other reporters' perspective, that's, that's what I want to do on this show. So I'm hoping to have more guests on here soon, especially now that there's a lot to talk about in college basketball. It's over. So thanks again to Drew for taking the time. Thank you for listening. I look forward to talking with you again right here next Sunday 
on the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm out of here. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, and get your vaccine when you can. See you next Sunday.